Good morning. Good morning. Good to have you all with us this morning for this June 13th gathering. Good to have a lively crowd this morning. Remind our visitors, we have uh, some visitors this morning. Please fill out a connect card in the hymnal rack and give us a little information so that uh, we can follow up if you need it. Also, uh, remember if uh, you need to uh, present an offering, uh, provide some ongoing funding for the church, uh, we have a box in the back, or we also have a cypressstreet.church slash give uh, site, and uh, you can uh, give that way. This morning, uh, just a reminder, that uh, we have a Wednesday night service uh, coming up for children and youth activities and for adults in the fellowship hall. Uh, Carvin will be sharing slide presentation from his uh, latest trip to Guatemala. Also, we have a thanks this morning for all of those who uh, helped with the uh, rummage sale. This, not just this weekend, it's been building over time and uh, it was uh, it was apparently a big success, uh, but they uh, they did want to help uh, thank all those who've been helping, and uh, a reminder that leftover items will be donated to the Friends of the Library, uh, First West Thrift and Grace Place. Uh, as of this morning, just the start of the service, they've raised at least two thousand four hundred and. Eighteen dollars. That's great. A lot of hard work by the the crew and the uh, the leadership. Thank Kathy for taking charge of that and and driving it and and doing an excellent job. They'll be packing down all those items up in the morning at nine. So if you have time and you can help out with that. Uh, it's kind of like washing dishes after a church dinner. You, you really need help all the way through to the end. So we'll be glad to have some help for that. And uh, next Sunday, uh, Brother Lamb will be uh, back speaking with us uh, on Father's Day. Uh, there will be no circles next Sunday, just as a little reminder. And I wasn't going to read the part about the next Wednesday night spaghetti supper, but uh, just when you're reading that one, remember that it'll also feature celebration of birthdays and anniversaries. So just, just know that. I'm going to read a little short scripture from the 100th Psalm. Somebody gave me a copy of the, uh, this new Bible, Life Study Bible. And I thought it was particularly good from this version. 100th Psalm. Shout with joy up to the Lord, O earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with singing, with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people the sheep of his pasture. So we enter into his gates with thanksgiving, 
into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. Let's say a word of prayer before we continue. Father, we thank you this morning for a beautiful Sunday morning, for, um, for your care and concern for us, for your comfort in our times of need. We thank you for your word, for the reminders that are there, the ways that we can remember and learn uh, again, even from old lessons. Father, we thank you that uh, you were in this place this morning. Pray that you will be in the speaker's message, in the circles afterwards, and all of the lessons that are taught to little ones and, and seniors. And we pray that you will teach us something this morning that we can take from this place and use for the good of the kingdom. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me, heavenward in Christ Jesus. If you're able, why don't you stand with us this morning as we sing this beautiful old hymn, Higher Ground.
sing that old song again, isn't it? Now we'll be joining together singing No Longer Slaves. With a melody, you surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. I'm no longer a slave to child of God. I'm no longer a slave to you. I am a child of God. From my mother's womb chosen me, love has called my name, I've been born again to your family, your blood flows through my veins, I'm no longer a slave to I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. child of God. Split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears were drowned in perfect love. You rescued me so I could stand and sing. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. So I could walk right through it. My fears were drowned in perfect love. You rescued me so I could stand and sing. I am a child of God. You split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears were drowned in perfect love. You rescued me so I could stand and sing. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I am a child of God.
seated. Children, it's time to go to your classes. Since we have just a little older youth left, glad to have y'all with us. Welcome back, uh, Brother Carver Adams, to speak for us this morning. Glad to have him back safe and sound from Guatemala. And uh, a challenging message for us this morning. He's going to talk about uh, you've stayed here long enough. His... Uh, primary message will be out of Deuteronomy chapter 1. That's about page 272 in the regular uh, Bible in your uh, pew. And I'm just going to read one verse from this message this morning. In your spare time, you might want to just read through the whole thing, but we're going to just take verse 6 right now. Deuteronomy 1.6 The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, You've stayed here long enough at this mountain. So, that's where it's going to start. For uh, our prayer time this morning, uh, you see the list in the, uh, the handout this morning. We want to especially remember... Um, Sandy Adams, who's uh, having some trouble uh, still this week. Uh, Brother Cherry Crane. Uh, David Radford is still having uh, COVID issues. And we want to remember Ken McConnell, especially uh, with the, his treatment and long-term long prognosis. You'll, uh, you want to note today is also National uh, Law Enforcement Day. Uh, so be thinking of those in law enforcement, all the branches, the ones, uh, the DA's offices and the, the ones who work at the, uh, for the parish and city, state. Remember everybody who has uh, thankless jobs that uh, watch out for us. Let's pray. Father God, we uh, thank you this morning that uh, you're with us. Your message continues to be love and grace and for us to draw close to you and pay attention to what you have to say. We pray that we will pay attention and we will take the time to draw apart from the world and listen to your message. Father, we uh, 
also know of several this morning who are in need of long-term care, uh, who have needs that uh, involve surgeries or, or hospitalization, some who are just uh, in need of your touch this morning. Beyond physical healing, we know there are others that need help with uh, depression and, and, and needing to feel a sense of worth. I pray that you will be with them all this morning. That you will take care of those among us who have special needs. That you will take care and watch over those who keep the peace and try to protect us from uh, things that are wrong in this world. And we pray that you will watch over them, guide their actions, and lead them in your way as well. Give them a peace about their work and their place in this world. Father, we ask that you'll be with the message this morning. Teach us uh, from your word the message that uh, you have to share with us and prepare us for the world outside of these doors. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. That verse that Brother Mike read to us is the Lord's words. It is not mine that I'm saying you have been here too long. I hope it is not your words saying that I have been here too long, especially as I preach this morning. That is not what I am implying, and I hope it's not what you are suggesting. But uh, I do hope that you'll follow along in this message this morning, taken from Deuteronomy, the first chapter, and we will deal with almost every verse. It is a lengthy reading. I will get to it in this uh, message. It's a very simple story coming from a very simple-minded speaker, something I can easily understand, and I hope that you understand its meaning as Moses writes this story. Several years ago in one of my pastorates, I received a call at 12 o'clock one night of a man that did not attend our church, but I knew him very well. He apologized for calling so late, but he felt like he had to share something with me. I told him to come on over to the house, and uh, he began to spill his life out. He said, nobody knows what I'm about to tell you except my wife and the man that was with me. He was serving in the Marines stationed at that time in Panama, Central America, during one of the revolutions there. And he said they were interrog interrogating uh, a woman, thinking she had information about part of the revolution, trying to get information out of her he told her, if you do not give me the information I want, I will kill your children. And he did. Two children, seven and eight, I believe it was, young children. And he said, and that had been 20 years or so ago at that time, he said, it has haunted me every day of my life. I have no peace. I cannot uh, oftentimes sleep at night. 
And I tried to convince him that the only way he would ever have any peace was to invite Jesus into his life, that God would forgive him. And he said, it's too late. It's too late. I tried to explain to him about Paul's life, how he was guilty of murder, and how God forgave him and turned Paul into the greatest missionary of the early church. And still he could not wrap his mind around the fact that God would ever, ever forgive him for killing those two little children. He left my home that night, still a broken man, and to my knowledge, he has never, never entered the church or asked God to forgive him. He stayed where he was in that broken, sinful condition too long. As I studied the book of Deuteronomy, written by Moses shortly before his death, he reminds the Israelites of how God had been dealing with his people for the last 40 years as they were journeying from Egypt toward the land of Canaan. And this historical account of their journey is more than just a description of their relationship with God. During those 40 years, to some degree, it's a foreshadow of our relationship with God today as disciples of Jesus. For I see each one of us and every one of us falling into one of three spiritual groups or, or categories. One is either we are slaves of sin, still in bondage, that was typified by Israel's time in Egypt. They were slaves. They couldn't do anything about it. They were told when to get up what to do during their time of day and what time to go to bed. They, they had no freedoms whatsoever. There may be some here this morning who are still slaves of sin and Satan. Or maybe you fall into the category of saved from your, your bondage of, of sin. That was typified by Israel's time in the wilderness. They were set free from the bondage. They traveled out into the wilderness they were free, but they were not in God's complete, perfect will. Their freedom was secured by killing a sacrifice the night, the eve of the Passover. They put the blood on the door frames of the houses. They passed through those doors and remained through the night. And then the next day they went through the Red Sea, which was a symbol of water baptism, indicating they were saved from their bondage. Maybe the majority of you fit into this category. Or possibly you're sanctified completely, entirely, made holy. This would be Israel when they finally get into the land of Canaan, God's complete, perfect will for their lives. They're living according to God's plan. They're being everything that God wants them to be, what he's called them to be. You see, Canaan doesn't represent heaven, as some songs indicate, or as some people think it does. Because after they got into Canaan, they still had their battles. They still had their temptations. They still had the opportunity to lose their relationship with God. For twice they went back into bondage. The first time was in 722, when the Assyrians captured the ten northern tribes, and they were never heard of again. They were assimilated into that, uh, that culture, that nation. 
And then the second time was in 586 B.C. by the Babylonians. For 70 years they were in that bondage. Even though the book of Deuteronomy is specifically about the, the Israelites and that 40-some years from their travels from Egypt toward the land of Canaan, it is relevant, it is equally important to us today, and there are three main reasons you'll see in your outline for that. The first is this. God always calls us to that which is better than what we presently have. Let's look at verses 5 through 7a. East of the Jordan River in the territory of Moab, Moses began to expound this law saying, The Lord your God said to us in Horeb, You've stayed here long enough at the mountain. Break camp and advance. Break camp and advance. There cannot be any doubt in our minds that that was God's will for his people at this particular time in their lives to take possession of the land of Canaan. Look at verse 8. See, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants after them. This had been God's plan for them. That's why he called Abraham out of Ur some 600-some years earlier, telling him that you and your descendants will possess this land. Now, after two years of traveling from the bondage of Egypt, God is saying to his people, you stayed here too long. You've been in the wilderness too long. You've been free, but I've got something better in mind for you. Break camp and take possession of this land. Now these verses tell me three things about God and his plan for our lives. A, God knows when it's time for us to move ahead. In verse 6, he says, you have stayed here long enough. Moses did not just wake up one morning and say, well, I think we need to move out. I just feel it in my bones. It's time for us to cross over Jordan and take possession of this land that we've been walking toward now for two years. No, Moses didn't do that. God said, you stayed here long enough. Break camp and advance. God knows when it's time. Each time I left a pastorate, it was God who said. There might have been some people in that ch those churches who were saying, it's time for you to move on, pastor. We've heard enough of your preaching. We're, we're fed up. But it was always God that told me. It was God who told me it was time to move to another country to pursue new ministry. I'm still waiting for God to open up new ministry in Guatemala. At the age of 72, I believe he has something more for me to do there. God knows when it's time for us to pursue something else. B, regardless of where we are in our relationship with God at this moment, it is only temporary. Verse 7, he says, break camp in advance. 
That, that word camp always indicates something that is temporary. We should never think that we will reach a certain spiritual level that we can say, well, I've arrived. I can just lean back in my spiritual recliner, prop my feet up, and wait for the Lord to take me home. Isn't that easy to do? Isn't it easy to become complacent? Our journey is that. It is a journey, one of constantly, on a regular basis, breaking camp. Never thinking we have arrived and don't need to move ahead. I appreciate that first song y'all picked out, Vicky. Vicky texted me earlier wanting to know what songs I had in mind. To be honest with you, I could not come up with a good song. She hit it on the nail when she picked that one out. Higher ground. I love that song. We should always be striving to climb up higher with Jesus Christ. This is not our home, and I'm thankful for that. Paul says our citizenship is in heaven. So regardless of where you are in your walk with Jesus Christ, whether you're just starting or been in it some 60 or 70 years, don't get too comfortable. The Lord may say to you, you've been here long enough. Break camp. Advance. See, when God calls us to break camp, he already has a destination in mind for us. Verse 8. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore he would give to your fathers. The man that came to see me that night at 12 o'clock. He was not a Christian. To my knowledge, he had never been to church. He didn't the years I was pastor there. The Lord was telling him... It's time for you to confess your sins, turn your life over to Jesus Christ. He will forgive you. He will give you peace in your heart. You can't undo what you've done. But it's time for you to take possession of the land I want to give you. How many times has God spoken to a particular congregation and said, You stayed here too long. I'm not talking about physical location. Sometimes that is right. I remember my first pastorate, one of our boards were meeting, they said, well, we're going to, we need to do such and such at such and such date, a certain program. I said, why are we going to do this event? Well, we've always done that. I said, well, what has it produced in the past? Well, it, no one got saved. To our knowledge, no one became closer to the Lord. I said, that is not a good enough reason for us to invest money, time, and resources in doing it if it did not accomplish something spiritual towards making disciples of people. If we're going to do it, let's have our aim at getting people saved and more mature in Jesus Christ. Perhaps God is telling that congregation, break camp. Take possession of something else that will produce disciples of Jesus Christ. Or how often... Has God spoken to you or to me and said, you're getting a little complacent. You're getting in a rut. You know what the difference between a rut and a grave? A grave is a rut 
that has open ends. He just hadn't covered you over yet. A rut can end up being a grave. You see, the land of Canaan was so much better than the Israelites had in Egypt. In Egypt, they had no rights whatsoever. At least in the wilderness, they had a certain amount of rights. But Canaan was so much better than the wilderness. In the wilderness, they were living in tents, moving around like a bunch of nomads, breaking camp on a regular basis, at times just going around in circles. But in Canaan, it was a rich land, had the Jordan running through it, fertile, fertile land compared to running uh, with milk and honey. There they could build permanent houses. All they had to do was advance, go in, take possession of it. They could have never imagined after all those years of bondage and two years of going through the wilderness, they could not even imagine what God had in store for them better than what they ever had. God was calling them to something better as he does us today. There's a second thing I want to bring out to your attention. Lack of faith will keep us from possessing all that God has to offer. Look at verses 19 through 33. Then as the Lord our God commanded us, we set out from Horeb and went to toward the hill country of the Amorites through all that vast and dreadful desert that you have seen. And so we reached Kadesh Barnea. Then I said to you, you have reached the hill country of the Amorites which the Lord your God has given us. See, the Lord your God has given us the land. Go up and take possession of it as the Lord the God of your fathers told you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Then all of you came to me and said, Let's send men ahead to spy out the land for us and take back a report about the route that we should take in the towns we have that we come to. The idea seemed good to me, so I selected 12 of you, one man from every tribe. They left and went up into the hill country and came to the valley of Eshgol and explored it, taking with them some of the fruit of the land, and they brought it down to us and reported, it is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. But you were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and said the Lord hates us, so he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go? Our brothers have made, have made us lose hearts. heart. They said the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large with walls up to the sky. We even saw the Anakites there. Then I said to you, do not be terrified. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God is going before you. will fight for you as he did for you in Egypt before your very eyes and in the desert. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son all the way you went until you reached this place. In spite of this, you did not trust in the Lord your God who went ahead of you on your journey in fire by night and in a cloud by day to search out places for you to camp and to show you the way you should go. It appears that the idea of sending those spies into Canaan was not God's plan. It was the people. 
Moses said, you came to me with this plan. And it's interesting, we have no indication that Moses said, well, let me pray about it. That was his first mistake. A righteous leader he was, but sometimes as leaders we fail, we make mistakes. Moses said the idea in verse 23 seemed good to me. You might want to underline that. A lot of ideas, a lot of programs in the church seem good. But if they rob us of energy, resources, and time, and are not producing what God has called us to do, they're not God's will. Think about that. The ideal may be good. It may be a good program. But if it's not God's, we best leave it alone. In spite of everything God has done for them, they still did not have the faith to go take the land. In Egypt, they saw how God changed the water of the Nile into blood. They saw, they saw all these plagues of uh, the frogs, the flies, the, the gnats, the locusts. They saw how the death angel took the firstborn of all the Egyptians. They witnessed how when they got to the Red Sea and the Egyptian army was behind them, how Moses held out his staff and the sea parted and they crossed over, but yet when the Egyptian army tried it, God closed the sea and swallowed up the entire army. After all these miracles, after seeing how he provided food for them every day of the week, water for them, their shoes did not wear out, as we are told in Scripture. Still, they did not have faith, which in reality is questioning God's ability. Uh, I think of Abraham's wife, Sarah. You remember when the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, you and Sarah are going to have a kid? Scripture tells us they were already too old physically to have children. And Sarah was in the tent cooking supper. And she heard this conversation and she began to laugh to herself. And the Lord said, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child in my old age? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And she did have a child about a year later, named him Isaac, which in the Hebrew means he makes me laugh. I, I can only imagine every time she called out his name, Isaac, get in this tent. She kind of laughed to herself and probably thought there is nothing impossible for my God. You see, the, the, one of the reasons so many of us fail to advance spiritually and possess what is available to us is we begin to question God can you really do that all he had to do was speak this universe came into existence all Moses had to do was stretch forth his staff and the waters parted but sometimes we're too much like Sarah is it possible Humanly speaking, no. 
But with our God, it is. With our God, it's possible. We have to have that faith or we'll never be set free from the bondage of sin. We never will advance in our spiritual life and possess what God is offering us if we're looking through the eyes of doubt. There's the last thing I'd like to share with you. It is the danger of staying where we are and not advancing. And I, I see two dangers here in our text. The first is the danger of backsliding in verses 34 through 40. When the Lord heard what you said, he was angry and solemnly swore, not a man of this evil generation shall see the good land I swore to give your forefathers, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh. He will see it, and I will give him and his descendants the land he set foot on, because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Because of you, now listen, he's speaking to Moses now. Because of you, the Lord became angry with me also and said, that's because he sent the spies into Canaan because he thought the idea was good. You shall not enter it either. But your sister Joshua, son of Nun, will enter it. Encourage him because he will lead Israel to inherit it. And the little ones that you said will be taken captive. Your children who do not yet know good from bad, they will enter the land. I will give it to them and they will take possession of it. Be, but as for you, turn around and set out toward the desert along the route to the Red Sea. Keep in mind, they had been traveling two years from the Red Sea toward the land of Canaan, the promised land. They had been following God in a cloud in daytime, a ball of fire at night. They had the physical manifestation of God's presence. Now as they stand on the border of the promised land, which is God's perfect and complete will for his people at that particular time, of history on the threshold of receiving their reward they lose it all and in verse 40 he says turn around and go back the way you came from for you will not enter all the travels all the miles all the heartaches all of it for those two years were in vain. How many Christians have followed Jesus for several years, maybe many years, have allowed something in their life defeat them? They didn't advance, and they lost everything. I remember when I was in Bible college, one of the students who was in several classes with me didn't show up one day. And we learned out, I think it was later that day or maybe the next morning, his father, who was the pastor of the largest church of God in Houston, a church that averaged 700 on Sunday mornings. In fact, he was one of the professors at the college, had run off with the church secretary, left his uh, wife and his whole family. And my f fellow student, 
friend was just devastated. I'm thankful he didn't give up. He's uh, still in ministry today, but his father just threw it all away. One of the most successful pastors uh, I'd ever known. Since it can happen to God's people back then, it, it still happens today. There is danger remaining where we are and not advancing when God says, break camp, take possession of what I'm wanting to give you at this particular time in history. You see, Israel's journey was not complete when they stopped on the east side of the Jordan. They were on the wrong side of the river. The land that God wanted to give them, God's perfect will for them at this time in history was on the other side of the river. And regardless of how much progress we make in our lives, regardless of how much growth, regardless of how spiritual we may be, our journey is not complete until we step over into eternity. And there's always that danger of backsliding and losing it all. I see another danger that I want to leave you in closing, item B. It's the danger of waiting too late in verses 41 through 46. Then you replied, we have sinned against the Lord. We will go up and fight as the Lord our God commanded us. So every one of you put on your, his weapons, thinking it easy to go up into the hill country. But the Lord said to me, Tell them, do not go up and fight, because I will not be with you. You will be defeated by your enemies. So I told you, but you will not listen. You rebelled against the Lord's commandments, and in your arrogance you marched up into the hill country. The Amorites who live in those hills came out against you. They chased you like a swarm of bees and beat you down from Seir all the way to Hormon. You came back and wept before the Lord, but he paid no attention to your weeping and turned a deaf ear to you. And so you stayed in Kadesh many days all the time you spent there. Verse 45, I believe is, has to be one of the most frightening verses in all scripture. You came back and wept before the Lord, which meant they were repenting of their sins. As he talks about in verse 41, but he paid no attention. Somehow we have gotten the idea that we can go to God at any time we want to and he'll forgive us. Show me a scripture where it says that. For 38 more years, the Israelites wandered around in the wilderness. 38 more years until all these adults, except for Joshua and Caleb, all the others died off simply because of a lack of faith to obey God and take possession of what he wanted to give them. They never possessed it. They never possessed it, except for two men of that generation. They waited 
too late to repent too long. Jesus said in Luke, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. If you're not a Christian this morning, I believe the Lord may be saying to you, you've stayed in sin too long. Today is the day of salvation. If God is speaking to your heart, no one has the assurance of tomorrow. No one. Not a single person here. Regardless of how young you are or how old you may be. And God is saying to you, put your faith in Jesus Christ. If he's speaking to your heart, he's given you another chance to accept Jesus as your personal Savior. If you are a Christian, the Lord might be saying to you, I haven't seen you growing a whole lot here lately. You've become complacent. Your commitment today is not any stronger than it was last year. You're not making the progress that you should be making. You've been yielding to temptation. It's time to break camp and advance. I've got something much better for you in mind than what you currently have. It's time to become like the two spies, Caleb and Joshua, who followed the Lord with all their heart and said, we will take this land. It's ours. The Lord has given it to us. We can do that. I believe it was the Church of God preacher and author Maurice Barquis. I heard him preach several times and used to have several of his books. He wrote this in reference to Israel's life, and I quote, They forgot the past, what God had done for them. They were satisfied with the present, and they feared the future going into Canaan. End of quote. I admit sometimes the future is what's definitely unknown. None of us knows what tomorrow may bring. But we definitely know who will be there. And in order to follow the Lord wholeheartedly, we must by faith accept Jesus as our personal Savior and follow Him day to day. And we must receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit so that we'll have the power to live the Christian life in victory and just follow him wherever he leads us. Because when he says break camp, it's time to move out. It's time to move out. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and be in an attitude of prayer. There is nothing dull about the Christian life. I had someone tell me one time they thought Christian life was dull. Needless to say, that person was not a Christian. They did not understand what it was all about. To me, the Christian life has been one adventure after another following Jesus and just waiting to see what he has in store the following day. Oh, not every day is full of uh, adventures. 
some days. It's just him giving me a little more insight of scripture that I needed. Some days it's just his Holy Spirit encouraging me in an area of my life that needs it. Some days it's just working on a sermon. Being thrilled that he could use somebody like me. I don't know exactly where you might be this morning in your journey with Jesus. He may be saying, it's time for you to break camp. I've got so much more I want to offer you. If you'd like to come and pray by yourself, you can come to this front pew over here that's uh, where no one's at. Sit there, kneel, stand, whatever you feel more comfortable doing. If you'd like for me to pray with you and come over here where I'm, I'll be standing. Whatever need that you may have this morning, I invite you to come as we stand and sing a few verses of an invitation. Won't you come? Won't you stand with us, please? As we join together singing wholehearted service. Carvin for bringing God's message to us this morning. The rest of you, you've been here long enough. It's time to move on to your circle or to whatever work you need to do this morning.
Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this message this morning, giving us something to think about. We thank you for taking care of Brother Scott this week in helping him to have a better week uh, at work. And we thank you for being instrumental in that. Pray that you will be with each one in this place. Help them to draw close to you and to see where in their lives they need to move on. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.